0: Medtronic technology has impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and to delve into the challenges and impact each technology has in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The BIS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Reliance on BIS system alone for intraoperative anesthetic management is not recommended. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for the speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on anesthesia and the brain, we will discuss the three phases of BIS monitoring and how they can potentially provide useful information during anesthesia. To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Steven Bader, Chief of Cardiothoracic Anesthesiology at Heritage Valley Health System in Beaver, PA
1: we essentially, most clinical, you know, anesthesia people are going to think of the BIS as a way to help them maintain anesthesia, right? So the the three phases of anesthesia being induction, induction maintenance, and emergence. So um, maintenance, the longest period of time during most general anesthetics is where most of us think of using the device because it's it can be, um, it can be a little boring monitoring someone during the maintenance phase of anesthesia. You know, we get things started at the beginning. There's a lot of excitement and then you get into the maintenance phase where really your job is to try and keep everything the same while the surgery is ongoing in a three or four hour procedure. You may have, you know, three and a half hours of time where your whole goal is to keep the patient at that same level of, of hypnosis, even though there will be changes in surgical uh, stimulation, depending on what they're doing, you know, initial incision is very stimulating and then there's, a long period of time of boring dissection, and then they finally get to the part where they're going to start applying vascular clamps or manipulating the gut, and you know, uh, causing changes in hemodynamic parameters uh, because they're losing blood, or the patient is starting to you know third space, and you're having to uh, adjust uh, fluids or pressure pressure administration. And then you start messing with your anesthetic, you know, uh, to try and compensate for those hemodynamic changes. That's where most of us think of the bis as adding. Uh, extra value. So, you know, traditionally, we would use just hemodynamic parameters and physical signs of the patient to try and decide if they were light or appropriately anesthetized or deep too deeply anesthetized, you know, so if you look at things like uh, lacrimation, you know, the patient's uh, tearing or sweating, uh, tachycardia, hypertension, all of those things are Um, signs that the patient may be light. And then you have this additional piece of information with the BIS number, essentially giving you an idea, uh, is my clinical impression of the patient appropriate? Am I on the right track? I have this other thing to confirm. Uh, Conversely, it can also be used to, as a sort of an early warning, you know, as I mentioned, sometimes during a three hour procedure, everything's sort of the same, we're getting a little distracted or bored but you happen to notice that your BIS number has been trending up or trending down, or that there's a sudden change in it, and it forces you to now reevaluate the situation. Why did I just suddenly have my BIS uh, jump up or start going down? Did I do something you know, to correlate with that? So it's a helpful way to keep us engaged in the anesthetic and to give you an additional piece of information beyond uh, our traditional parameters. So most of us are really pretty comfortable with managing the maintenance phase and with using the BIS as a helpful monitor during that time. But I think it's kind of overlooked that you can also, you know, get a lot of value out of it uh, during induction. So during the induction phase of anesthesia, you know, we take a wide awake person who may have gotten some light sedation coming into the room and might not have a BIS of 100, you know, a little bit of uh, versed preoperatively while we put the monitors on. Uh, And then your first numbers are in the 80s or 90 because they're already a little bit Relaxed, um, or conversely, you have somebody who's super excited because they, uh, you know, are a trauma victim who hasn't gotten any drugs. and We're just throwing them onto the table, and applying our monitors as fast as we can. Their their bis uh, may be through the roof because they have you know broken bones and are in a lot of pain. So knowing where you're starting with the patient before you start giving your induction agents can be really helpful. And then if you have a situation where you're trying to limit the amount of induction agent because of hemodynamic concerns, you know the patient's hypovolemic. Uh, from blood loss, or it's an elderly ill patient, uh, somebody with, you know, serious cardiovascular disease, aortic stenosis, other, uh, conditions that we're really worried about overdoing it with the anesthetic induction agents, you can use the BIS as an additional, uh, monitor to help you titrate without overdoing it, you know? So if I have the patient and I'm thinking I'm going to give them a quarter or a third of the amount of induction, uh, dose that I would give them ordinarily in this new clinical situation where they're acutely ill, the BIS can reassure me that I'm giving them enough. So I am, uh, you know, thinking that I, I, I can get away with now performing laryngoscopy in place in the breathing tube and not having them have awareness of that or having them have an exaggerated hemodynamic response uh, because I have them too light, you know. So I think it is really helpful um, in those situations to put the BIS on early, you know. So for heart surgery patients in my hospital, we uh, routinely apply the BIS pre-induction and it is reassuring uh, when we're gonna try to get away with using a little less anesthetic agent than usual. Um, by the, uh, on the other hand, you know, there are times when we underdo it and then you're gonna go perform laryngoscopy, the blood pressure is gonna go through the roof. So I think having that the bis there as an additional piece of information really does help you avoid either under or overdoing it uh, with your induction agent. So when you get to the emergence phase, um, you know, a lot of times at the end of the surgery, there's this prolonged period of time where we're trying to titrate our maintenance agents off uh, and, and the surgical stimulus is reducing a great deal, you know? so you're now trying to uh, make your emergence be as, as quick as possible without the risk of the patient starting to buck or kick while you're uh, putting your last few sutures in the skin. So it can be very helpful to try and achieve that goal of keeping the bis- you know just under 60 while you're lightening the patient up, reducing your inhalational agent or your, uh, you know, intravenous anesthetic, hip, uh, so that you can get the patient as light as possible without having them, you know, suddenly move or uh, have much risk of awareness towards the end. There, I mean, sometimes there are cases where it feels like the splinting and and uh, wound dressing takes as long as the operation, right? So there's a long period of time at the end of many cases where the patient still needs to remain still, but there's very little surgical uh, stimulation while they're you know, doing whatever dressing or, or splinting. Uh, and then we, you know, can really have that patient just skating along at just sedated enough so that we all uh, look really good and feel really good about having that really quick emergence without having it be premature. You know, by using that, we also probably shorten their uh, PACU stay and, uh, you know, reduce uh, some of the other side effects of giving more agent than is necessary, you know? so prolonged emergence in the operating room, generally speaking, leads to prolonged PACU stays uh, and post-operative
0: delirium risk. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.